Should you go to therapy? How do you know whether or not you should go to therapy? We discuss this and more with special guest Zahori Zapata on this episode of The Overthinkers. Hello, thinking people's thinking people. Welcome to The Overthinkers, home for the creative intellectual. I'm your host, Joseph Holmes, filmmaker, film critic, uh, self-effacing egomaniac. And with me, as always, is my predictively powerful co-host. Nathan Clarkson, actor, author, filmmaker, and um, oh boy, there's so many ways I could go with this, but <laughs> I will just say big fan of therapy. Man, that rolls off the tongue. <laughs> yeah, doesn't it? Yeah, I'm going to put that in my, my Instagram bio. Cool. Well, and with us today is a very special first-time guest. She is a content creator and host of the Double Double podcast. She has spent the last five years as a child educator in the nonprofit space and is currently pursuing a master's in theology at the University of Toronto. Most importantly, she is a very valued member of the Overthinkers community and a listener to our show. She is the zealous, the zesty, the zany, Zahori Zapata. Zahori, welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. It's such an honor to be here. <laughs> Well, it, it, was, it was so cool because like, you know, you, again, you said you, you were a listener of our show and you were on, uh, and you're in our Facebook community. And then you just always yeah. had such amazing things to say and then found out that you had a podcast yourself. And that just became incredibly <laughs> exciting. One of us, one of us. Uh, oh, and by the way, just for everyone out there to know, this is why you should write in all your opinions, whether you like the episodes oh, or yes. not. This episode is actually the result of Zahori writing us and saying, would you do a podcast on this? Because this is something interesting. And so we're like, oh my goodness, that's a great idea for a podcast. Come on. And you be the one on here to talk about it because this is something that is near and dear to my heart. And we've been wanting to do a podcast like this for a while. Yeah. And so it's so much fun to have the person who suggested it actually on here to talk about it. So we are excited to jump in. But before we do, I'm going to do a couple quick announcements. One, if you want to connect with us more, please head over to overthinkersjournal.com. Sorry, I'll say that a little slower, theoverthinkersjournal.com. You can find out more about your host, the episodes, and all the live events we have coming up. We are going to have an Oscar party here in New York City uh, in March. We want to see you there. It's going to be so much fun. And if you want to join the community, please head over to Facebook. We have a community, which we have almost 2,000 people, 2,000 overthinkers having discussions, laughing at memes, and reading articles together. We want you to be a part of it. And we are doing this is a big, this is a big announcement. We are doing a giveaway right now for the month of January. Ooh. We are doing a giveaway for anyone who leaves a review on our podcast. We are giving away a book of you, a book or movie of your choice, any book or movie of your choice under $50 uh, to the person who, to one random ish person who leaves a written com a written review on our podcast and creativity will play to your favor. So go leave us a review right now and you will be automatically entered to win a book or a movie of your choice under $50. Uh, and uh, we want you to do it. So please do. And please, if you enjoy this podcast, share with friends. Yeah. No, the reviews, we, we've looked at the metrics and reviews really do help expand the reach of our audience. We believe, you know, we want, we want to reach many more overthinkers like you who think they're alone in the world and don't have a place like this to, to uh, have fun thinking deeply in this way. So please, it would really do a lot for us. And we want to make sure that it does a lot for you in this way, which is uh, why the giveaway. So anyway, and of course, 
you join the Facebook group, you will get to meet and interact with such awesome people like Zahori, who we have now on our podcast today. <laughs> so think, think of those benefits. All right. So everybody ready to get started on our topic? Let's do it. Yes. Awesome. Okay. Today, we are discussing therapy and particularly whether or not you should do it. Um, mental health is a topic that has become much more common and openly discussed in American society than it has been before. Along with it, an openness to getting support and counseling from licensed counselors or therapists as a way of managing your mental health. That also has been increasing popularity. According to the American Psychological Association, 48% of American households had someone seek counseling in 2019. And according to study finds, one in six Americans went to therapy for the first time in 2020. That said, mm -hmm. ideas around who therapy is for and who should go to therapy remain controversial. According to Forbes, 47% of Americans believe that going to therapy is a sign of weakness, even though only 27% mm -hmm. had said that they'd never gone to therapy. Many wow. religious people have particularly spoken about dealing with the added stigma, either from themselves or from others or a combination of that, of believing that if their relationship with God is strong enough that they shouldn't need therapy. Zahori, you've spoken about your own journey regarding therapy and mental health. Would you tell your story and to explain how your ideas on this and therapy and place for it um, have evolved over time? Yeah, so um, my journey with mental health started when I was very, very young. I went through a very traumatic experience from when I was 12 until I was 14 years old. Um, and I had no idea until I was 18 that I had post-traumatic stress disorder mm. uh, and and a couple other mental health issues as well from childhood, like earlier than that traumatic event that just were the result of uh, stressful pregnancy, uh, genetics and everything like that. But up until that point, um, mental health was not something that was actively talked about in my family because uh, my family is made up of immigrants from other countries where mental health is really heavily stigmatized mm, sure. uh, in, in the countries where my parents are from. Uh, mental health is or, or mental health and getting help right. are considered things to be only accessible to those who have very extreme issues. Sure. Um, so when I was growing up, I didn't really hear a whole lot about it. And when I did finally learn about uh, what it means to be mentally ill, uh, I thought, okay, there's no way that I could possibly <laughs> be mentally ill because I was always exposed to the really extreme examples or really exaggerated right. examples in movies. Um, and so what ended up happening was when I turned 16, uh, that's when I became a, a Christian. Mm. Um that sense, that stigma was really driven home for me because I was a new Christian. I've had this new sense of relief in my life. And so I thought, oh, as long as I have Jesus, everything will be okay. Right. So yeah. when I went to university and I ran into other Christians who were in the psychology program, who kind of noticed that things were going on with me and they suggested, mm. why don't you go to the school counselor? I got mad. <laughs> like I got <laughs> so offended. I was like, excuse me, I have Jesus. I don't need nothing else. I don't need help. There's nothing wrong with me. Uh, and then it got to a point where I, I, I don't know what changed, but I did eventually go and see that therapist and they had me go see a psychiatrist. And that's when they were like, Ooh, <laughs> you 
Uh, I know that quite a few symptoms of, yeah, <laughs> you have quite a few symptoms of PTSD. Mm -hmm. uh, and so that was the first, uh, that was my very first diagnosis um, that I received because my, um, that psychiatrist wasn't aware of my previous medical history. Sure. Um, so I, I, I was grappling with that a lot because I didn't really know what to do with that. Uh, I avoided the therapist for a while because I thought the more I see them, the more bad news they're going to give me. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to go back. Uh, and then th that kind of came back to, to bite me in the butt though, eventually uh, back in 2020, no, this year, earlier this year, uh, when I, unfortunately I, I made an attempt on my life mm -hmm. uh, back in July and when that happened, that was the first time that I really spoke to my parents uh, and mm. and other loved ones about what was going on with my mental health. Um, and so my parents, of course, being good parents, they were like, okay, what can we do to help you, right? And um, now that I had at least some sort of, like a better idea of mental health and the stigma surrounding it, what with my studies and everything, uh, I ended up going to see a psychiatrist. Um, and this time I just let it all out. I, I, I gave them information regarding my medical history, my behavioral history from when I was younger, things that my mom noticed that my dad noticed from when I was mm -hmm. a child, things that led up to, um, that suicide attempt. Mm. Uh, and eventually the psychiatrist ended up diagnosing me with borderline personality disorder and obsessive compulsive disorder. And mm. I was in so, I was in so much denial, like despite the fact that I have studied and come to understand mental health so much more than when I had initially been diagnosed at 18, mm there that those stigmas were still in my mind and yeah. leading me to that place of denial so when i got that diagnosis back in july i was telling people i have mild ocd I have mild <laughs> and then when i went to this when i went to go see my therapist who by the grace of god my parents helped me pay for the first couple of uh mm. sessions with my new therapist uh now i'm paying for it because student loans allow for me to do that. Nice. Uh, when when I went to see her, she said, "There's no such thing as mild borderline personality disorder." <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh. So, so it, it is an ever evolving journey for me to accept that I need that help. Sure. Uh, and it, it it's an ever evolving journey of me navigating my mental health with my faith navigating my mental health with my sense of self-esteem mm -hmm. uh, and overall when it comes to therapy even being able to really open up with my therapist who I know in my head is there to help me and is not there to judge me mm -hmm. uh, it's been an uphill battle being able to be completely raw with mm -hmm. her on a lot of things because yeah. in the back of my mind I'm still thinking there's nothing wrong with me and it if it's not that then it's my OCD telling me what if you're faking all of it, <laughs> you know? Oh, yeah, yeah that and that can, and that makes it a lot more difficult. So yeah, it, it's been a very, very, uh, very convoluted uh, relationship with mental health, which is so odd because again, when it comes to other people or the study of mental health, I am a huge advocate for get help. 
uh, don't be in denial, stuff like that. And I'm like, Zora, you're such a hypocrite. <laughs> no, not at all. No, one thing that someone told me a while ago and it really helped me was mental health isn't a paved road. It's a it's a rocky path up a mountain. And yeah. it, it takes a lot. It's not it's not perfectly even and easy to walk, but it's one, it's a really necessary one, especially if you want to get to that redeeming view. But one, Zahori, thank you so much for sharing your story with us. Yeah. Um, I have learned in, in everything surrounding mental health and with the stigmas that are attached to it, when people share their stories about this, it actually emboldens and strengthens others yeah. to, to accept and to do introspection and maybe look at themselves and maybe start their journey um, on the mental health journey. So thank you so much for sharing your story. And I'll share a little bit of yeah. mine for anyone who doesn't know, um, but probably many of you do know, uh, I wrote a book about my mental health journey called Different. Um, but I was diagnosed very, uh, I wouldn't say very early, but I was diagnosed um, in my teen years with OCD, depression, ADHD, ODD, and a few others. Um, but mm -hmm. I have mental illness and mental health have been a, a huge part of my story uh, growing up. And so this is an interesting question, right? should you go to therapy? Mm -hmm. And it, and I think one of the things that, that brings about the stigma is that the only people who go to therapy are people who are messed up, right? And so yeah. none, none of us yeah. want to be the person who's messed up. Well, I'm not, obviously I'm not messed up, so I shouldn't go to therapy. And I'm here to tell you today that whoever you are, if you're listening to this, you are messed up. Not because you're inherently bad or evil, <laughs> You live in a broken world. You live yes. in. You come from yeah. families that are broken and imperfect. Even if you love them, mm -hmm. you come from situations that are broken. And even if you've had a good, quote unquote, good life, every one of us is broken, is fractured, and at, and is in need of help in some way or another. So yes, I'm just going to go ahead and answer at the top of the episode. Yes, you should go to therapy. Uh, it doesn't matter who you are, what you've been diagnosed or not diagnosed with. I don't care. You need to go to therapy, but the, it's interesting to hear your story, and 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 it's and, and I'm still interested in hearing the stigmas around it because I yeah. I've I hear this a lot, especially from men I've noticed who have a really hard time admitting that they have they have mental problems, and I you know maybe mm -hmm. that's um, I, I don't know what that is, but it's something I think is uh, unique that in my friends and my circle that I've noticed for guys. But I also know just on a whole, people have a really hard time admitting that we need help. I think that's a human thing, right? Who wants to admit yeah. that we're broken? Who wants to admit that our minds aren't working the way they should? Um, but that's the reality yeah. of living in this world. We have bad things that happen. We have bad, uh, we have hard circumstances, difficult families, difficult relationships, and all of those things are not, don't make you less valuable, don't make you um, mm -hmm. less good, don't make you anything except a human. And humans need yeah. help, and that's okay. In the same way we go to doctors to get our checkup, we need to do that for our minds. And scripture talks about this, right? The renewing of our minds. Um, yeah. So therapy for me was a really interesting thing because the, the you know, I always knew I was different. I always knew there's something about me that wasn't working the way it ought. Uh, I would look at other kids, my brothers and sisters, I'd, I would look at the kids in class and say, there's something about my mind and my behavior and the way I see the world, the way I think, the way I do things that is is not, doesn't fit the norm. And it's causing me and people around me pain. And mm -hmm. I, I lived this for a long time. I, you know, obviously my family know there's something going on, but it wasn't until um, really until probably my early teen years that it became, you know, right, right at adolescence, that it became really, really severe. And it, it really affected my life in a negative way, um, in a deeply negative way and affected um, the people around me. And so my parents got me um, diagnosed. I went to a psych psychiatrist. And, you know, you'd think that, because I talked about who wants to admit 
that uh, were messed up. And you'd think that, oh my goodness, mm-hmm. I must be terrible. But for me, and everyone has a different reaction. There's no right or wrong reaction. But for me, it was this great moment of relief that this thing mm-hmm. I had could be understood. Yeah. And so, yeah. yeah, it's interesting thinking back. It even makes me a little emotional talking about it because you know, I think about this, this little kid who didn't know how to name these things he'd been going through. And then finally yeah. this doctor says, this is what you have. And that was the beginning of when I started going to therapy early in my teen mm-hmm. years. And that act of, and, you know, we'll talk about this more. I'll let, I'll let you guys talk into it, but then being able to name and knowing I had a, a way forward was <clears> unbelievable <throat> helpful to me in my life and has only caused, um, goodness my life now that's not to say that every therapist is perfect you do have to find the right fit but knowing that I had people who were going to help me on this journey and that this journey was something I could take towards mental health and these issues I've been facing actually had um there, there was hope in the midst of them was an enormously useful and beautiful thing in my life and I'll talk more mm-hmm. a little bit on actual therapy and what that does for me but just accepting and hearing that these things I had could be addressed and could be helped was enormously helpful for me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I can definitely sympathize with a lot of that, especially because before I got diagnosed, um, I, 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 I had all of these habits and, and now that I look back in hindsight, I know that all of these habits were symptoms of the borderline personality disorder, mm-hmm. but like I, I would, I would have these moments of revelation before I was diagnosed of, oh my gosh, I have, I, I noticed that I have this pattern, right? I, I have this pattern of behavior. I keep doing this. And when I realized that I had those patterns, it would, it would be relieving because I was like, oh my gosh, now I can address it. But because I didn't realize that it was part and parcel with a full-fledged disorder. Yeah. I couldn't really do anything about it because I didn't have the proper tools to do anything yes. about it. Yeah. So I would be in in a relationship, whether it was romantic or with a friend, and I would realize a, a very toxic behavior that I had and I would recognize it and I would be like, oh my gosh, now I know what it is that I'm doing, but I have no idea how to actually address that and treat it, right? So- uh, and w- without having that diagnosis, which by the way, I-, I will disclaim that like a diagnosis should never define who you are. Like the whole sure. point of a diagnosis Amen. is just to lead you in the right direction. Right. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that was something I had to learn as well. And I'm still learning. Uh, but knowing that those symptoms yeah. had a name and could be put under like a certain umbrella that yeah. a doctor or a licensed therapist could treat made it so much more relieving because I wasn't there pinpointing all of these problems without a solution on how to address those problems. Sure. So I, I definitely sympathize a lot with that sense of relief, even though like that denial is definitely something I can still struggle with every now and again. Um, it has been much better in the long run for me to finally know exactly what it is that's going on with me because I am seeing improvement. So I, I I love that you pointed that out. So, no. so hearing you, you guys talk, the, one, there's some things that are interesting that are that are jumping out to me. Um, one is you both, you know, understanding and feeling the the not wanting to be the reluctance to sort of go to therapy because you don't want to be labeled as broken in a way that's um, different from other people. 
um, mm. in a way that makes mm. that can attach that being your identity. Your identity is your broken in a way that separates you from other people in a negative way. And that being a barrier right. to going to therapy because that's what you associate with therapy. And mm -hmm. Nathan, you sort of trying to re, um, reorient the understanding and say that, well, everybody is actually broken because we live in a broken world. And so that doesn't actually separate you in a negative way from other people. Yes. And yes. so it's, we're yeah. all broken in certain ways. The only difference is there are the people who get help and the people who don't. Um, Correct. Right. And so trying to reorient and say like that, you know, when asking a question, should I go to therapy? Sort of the question is, okay, well, you know, am I, am I going to get help for whatever problems I have, or am I not going to get the help? You also mm -hmm. talked about, I think, the relief you both felt by understanding the problems you had gave you a, um, uh, made them um, smaller and more manageable because mm -hmm. they suddenly, they, they suddenly became something that could be articulated and summed up and actually then dealt with in small ways, that that was yeah. actual relief. And so those are some really interesting aspects of contextualize when asking, should I go to therapy way to recontextualize it for other people. Um, I think it's interesting that uh, I also have a kind of puzzled by the way people talk about therapy. I'm sort of puzzled by, and again, the one person here who hasn't gone to therapy, you know, what, the way people talk about therapy always sort of puzzles me because um, either it feels like they, um, they're scared of it or they um, romanticize it mm. in a weird way because, um, you know, it's, it's literally, you know, somebody who's trained to understand human thoughts and emotions getting to talk to you to help you to interpret your thoughts and emotions. Um, and you have people who try to make it, it's like a mystical thing. Like, you know, when you go there, you know, it gives someone this, this great power over you that you don't want to be vulnerable in that way. Or so it's this either this mystical thing that can control you or it's, or, you know, on the other side, I do hear people seeing this as a, as the one solution to your problem that everybody needs to take, you know, um, that, you know, uh, that I think is, so I'm wondering, I guess, before we sort of get into uh, sort of more of it, I was wondering, like, aside from just not wanting to be labeled stigma, sort of like, why is it, do you think people, um, people assign so much kind of uh, fear or a fear to this and mystical power to therapy when it's really kind of a, an, an ordinary, a really ordinary thing that can be very helpful. I think I'll jump in real quick and then I'll, I'll throw it over to Zahori. I think sometimes we forget that ordinary things can be especially potent and mm. strong. And, you know, you might call it ordinary for someone to tip well, for someone to sure. get you a call when you're feeling down. But those things can have infinitely important um, ramifications. Yeah. And so I don't think there's anything magic about therapy. I don't think it's like this special, you know, um, fix all magic uh, silver bullet that'll fix everything. But I think it fits in reality. And I yeah. think it fits with how God has asked us and created us to be. <sighs> And it fits with this very practical understanding that when we are going through something, we need others' perspectives. We need to rely yeah. on someone. We need wisdom, and we need specific time and um, to spend uh, knowing ourselves, knowing others, knowing life, and knowing reality. And 
out of that comes this idea that there can be redemption in the pain yeah. in our life. So I think therapy is very practical. I just think it's a very especially potent practical solution sure. that I think has incredible incredible um, results when actually um, uh, it, done. Yeah, sure. I, I just it's not magic, but it is very effective. Yeah. And that's what I wish people would do because they're just basic things, you know, um, when you're hungry, you eat and you won't starve to death. And that's a practical, basic thing. It's not a magic thing, but it also brings you life. Yeah. And so therapy to me is like eating. It's like sleeping. It's just something that we all need. And ther the word therapy might be a little um, uh, removed from this everyday life. But really what therapy is, is you're talking to someone wiser than you who can offer you hope in some yeah. wisdom. And that's really what it is. And just that very basic act can give your, um, can give your life perspective hope redemption and guidance and so it's a very practical thing but it's very effective yeah zahori yeah um well i think that uh with regard to people mysticizing it or making it to be some magic thing i think the reason why you tend to hear kind of two extremes like on the one hand you get people who are like Oh, therapy's completely useless. Yeah. <laughs> and then you yeah. get people who are like, oh, therapy was the best thing that ever happened to me. Um, and and really mysticizing it is because I feel like that's what most people want it to be. Mm. They they want therapy to be that quick fix. They want sure. to be able to go to therapy and have somebody point out what the problem is, maybe have them tell like explain their past or their childhood and then have the therapist say oh well i'm detecting that because this happened in your childhood that's sure. what's leading to this therefore this is the solution right yeah. and maybe like the the general model of therapy kind of works like that but it's not that the the purpose of like a therapist looking into your past if they have to because sometimes sure. uh people's reasons for going to therapy has nothing to do with their past. Sometimes it's, it's a present thing. Yeah. Um, but I think that when, even though that's kind of the general model of therapy, I, I think it has a lot to do as well with the culture that we live in um, sure. when it comes to a lot of our problems, especially mental problems, because I think that we all have enough sense to know that when it comes to physical problems, that takes time. Sure. Like it's going to take a few months for a broken arm to heal. It's going to take time mm. if you have cancer to get that treatment and to yeah. be able to, for the doctors to do biopsies and make sure that it's actually out of your body. But when it's in your head, I feel like we can tend to be really hard on ourselves yeah. and think just change your mind, just change yeah. the way that you're thinking about this. Yeah. And so when you go to therapy, you're expecting that it's going to be something like really quick. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. And then we're, and I'm going to say pleasantly surprised, even though it's not a good thing <laughs> when that doesn't happen, yeah. you know? Uh, and so then what can happen for people who, um, give those more positive reviews on therapy, but unfortunately also add that mystifying aspect to it. I think what's going on with them is they're thinking like now that they're, now that they're feeling better yeah. and that they're be able to function, they're kind of looking at it and being like, see, I told you that sure. that's, yeah. that, that, that was going to yeah. happen. Yeah. Right. But then you have people on the other side of it where they've heard all these positive reviews, they go to therapy, they realize that's not how it works. And they're like, 
I yeah. knew yeah. this was a bad idea. Like, you know, I knew yeah. it was unrealistic the way that y'all were telling me yeah. about this. So, like, yeah. So yeah. That, so that I think it has to do a lot with just expectations. Yeah. yeah. That makes well, a lot of sense. I'll, also, I'll, say, I'll oh. also point out real quick is that typically when I hear people rave about therapy, it's people who have um, invested a considerable amount of time in it. Yeah. Very rarely do I hear people rave about therapy who went for two sessions. Yeah. And listen, God is a God of process. Uh, our minds and our bodies and everything, like you point out, Zahori, it takes time. And you will get mm-hmm. as much out of therapy as you are willing to put into sure. it. And that's another thing I want to say. It's not a magic fix. This has to. This is mm-hmm. something that you have to be willing to be a part of. Because you can go yeah. for 10 years and you will not have redemption or, or satisfaction or that uh, solace you're looking for unless you are willing to bring yourself and be open and honest and be a part of it. And mm-hmm. typically the people I hear rave about it are the ones who are willing to do that and who were willing mm-hmm. to give the time. And the people yeah. I hear yeah. who are who don't like it or tried it once are the people like you like you pointed out, Zahori, who were expecting a quick fix, especially in this modern mm-hmm. world in which everything gets fixed quickly. So yeah. of, okay. Um, I think so here's the thing. I will say there's now one of the things here's so gonna push back a little bit, not on what general has been said, but one thing that you said, Nathan. And of course, you can you know more about this than I do, so you can push back and tell me I'm wrong, and I'm sure you I'm sure you will. Oh, I um, will. That's right. You're wrong. Um <laughs> is that I don't I said I am not willing to say that everybody has to go to therapy. I think that everybody needs what you said is somebody wiser than them that they can talk through their problems with and their things with and that they that's and and their own thoughts and emotions and ult, and and ideally multiple people like that um i do think that one thing that's happened is that we have is that um writ large as a culture we have um I, i'm not willing to sort of say that any more than i'm willing to say everybody needs to have a nanny uh to ra- help raise their kids um even if they have like for example, other support system or family who can help take care of their kids, if their parents as well. To a certain degree, I think that one one of the things that's that's that is a present reality is as acceptance of therapy has gone up, um, that mental health has declined in the society. And it's not because of therapy, obviously. I'm not saying it's because of therapy, but I'm saying that to a certain degree, we are using therapy as a culture as a band-aid to deal with um other things that are actually the cause of our lack of 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 our declining mental health. And it's not just that people are becoming more aware of their mental health because you know attempts at attempts at suicide are increasing as well across. And one of the things I think is that we are using therapy. Many of us are using therapy as a way of um, of substituting for the social bonds that um, people need, and then the feeling of purpose that people need um, that are actually more important for our mental health and mental well being than than going to therapy. I think that obviously going to therapy can help us to diagnose that. Oh, the problem is that we're not we don't have actually meaningful social bonds. We don't have meaningful work or things like that. It can help us diagnose that. But I do think that um, the going to therapy, the advice, but if you are actually are functioning a way that you are happy with, and that doesn't seem to be causing problems for other people, I think you can benefit from therapy, but I don't think I want to make it a law that who, regardless who you are, wherever you are, even if you are 
happy with where your life is and other people seem happy with who you are, that automatically um, you need to have a licensed therapist to talk to. It may be that you have other people you can talk to who are wiser than you, who are helpful in that way. And that is good and healthy and positive and actually is more healthy and positive than someone who goes to therapy you know, to 10 years to talk through their problems, but is not actually going and developing the relationships that are actually going to um, ultimately be better for increasing their mental health. So, so, so I'm going to, I'm going to push back because I've heard, I've heard this a lot and it's take no offense to this, but it's completely wrong. You know, it's amazing. You are 100% wrong. I mean, nothing you've said has been right. Okay. Like everything you said, I think is like completely wrong. And I'll tell you why. Okay. Fair enough. I've never met someone whose therapist is their best friend and they're replacing friendships or relationships. So I, I don't think that's an issue. And I think it's always, I've heard this before. And I think it's always kind of a funny thing. I have found that therapy has actually allowed me to have deeper friendships and better, but I don't think anyone is going to a therapist to find a friend there. It's a professional relationship. Mm-hmm. One. Two, I've heard that, well, I have, you know, I've heard from my Catholic friends, well, I have my priest. I've heard from my Christian friends, well, I have my mom or my dad. I've heard from a lot of people, I have my pastor or whatever it is. Uh, Those are great relationships and you should have mentors. You should have people in your life. Uh, But there's a couple caveats to that. One, I think very few people do have wise people in their lives. Um, And I think that's a really hard thing to find. But let's say you do find that. I've had great mentors in my life. But what I've also found is those mentors are not specialized or educated in the specific trauma uh, realities or mental illness I faced. So they can they can be wise, intelligent, caring, loving people, and they will not know how to address uh, wisely the situations that I'm going through. Mm-hmm. And so a therapist isn't in place. And that, that's another thing people tend to, to think that therapy is in place of these relationships. I think you should have a therapist and mentors and friends, but I think a therapist does something that mentors and friends cannot do. And it's, it's the same way you don't say, um, you know, I have a mom, so I don't need to go, uh, go to, go to a doctor when I break my arm. Those are two entirely different things. Even she can, can rub your arm or give you some aspirin or help or make you feel better about it it's not going to actually fix your arm because she doesn't have the expertise and knowledge on how to address the specific problem. I had, I had really good parents that I really loved mm-hmm. and they both saw the value in me going to therapy because they knew that the therapist had insight and wisdom that even they, as my parents who had raised me and knew mm-hmm. me were good Christian people who had wisdom. They knew the therapist had insight into my particularities that they, they never would uh, and, and didn't have. So it, so I think the, the problem here is we're seeing therapy as replacement for things when I think it's actually an additive and will actually help all the things that you should have. I believe in mentors. I believe in friends. I believe in communities. And none of those things can replace therapy, just like therapy can't replace any of these, these things. Not to mention, I think that's a little utopian thinking to think that any of us could actually find, especially in today, I hear all we hear about is loneliness, all we hear about is isolation. And to expect people to have um, a mentor or a friend in these really small circles and increasingly um, isolated uh, places we find ourselves, to have a friend who could address specifically and wisely really particular problems of trauma and mental um, and mental health, I, th- I think it's, it's utopianistic thinking because I don't think that really typically exists even in the best scenarios. I've never met, you know, and and it's difficult because I'll, and we'll go into this a little bit because I want Zahor to, to talk on this, but we'll go into it in a second. 
I've had pastors who say, don't go to therapy. We're just going to pray together. I, I can help you. Yeah. Uh, we're just going to pray, pray it away. And I don't, I'm not even mad at those pastors, but the thing is they didn't have the insight or the wisdom. They might've been great at theology. They might've been great sure. at preaching, but they didn't have the insight or wisdom to know how to handle trauma and mental illness and, and a lot of different things. So we go to doctors because our arms are broken. We go to, um, we go to pastors and priests because we need insight on, on spiritual things. And we go to therapists because our minds need help. And I think that these are not mutually exclusive. We need mentors, we need friends, and we need therapists. Mm -hmm. So, Hori, what are your thoughts? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I feel like to to add on to that, um, especially with the topic of pastors and whatnot, uh, I remember one time I was I, I was I told my pastor about my diagnosis um, and how I, I was really troubled by it on a, on a spiritual level. And it wasn't because I necessarily believed that, oh, uh, a mental illness is a sign of a lack of faith uh, mm -hmm. for for someone who's religious or, or Christian sure. specifically, um, but because that was still in the back of my mind because I had been told that by other people. But sure. by the grace of God, I've never been told that by a pastor, sure. but I have been told that by other people. Um, and I was telling my pastor, like, yeah, I got diagnosed with BPD and OCD, and I don't know if the Bible says anything about that. And um, luckily. Like he, he knew enough about mental illness that he was able to pinpoint specific instances in scripture that were really relevant to our conversation. And one thing that he pinpointed a lot when I explained the symptoms of BPD, because it's heightened emotion is the biggest one. Mm -hmm. uh, he, he told me uh, stuff along the lines of like, well, well, Jesus had a lot of emotion. He didn't have heightened emotions that inhibited his functioning, yeah. but he expressed his emotions. So emotion is not a bad thing and everything like that. But one thing that I, I remember that he told me was he said, now I, I can tell you how Jesus would address your issue. I can tell you how he would respond to your pain. I can tell you he would respond to the very unfortunate reality that we live in a broken world. And unfortunately, um, sin and death have negatively affected your mind, right? And he said, so I can tell you that. But I cannot tell you how to address those things. I can't tell you how to heal in those areas. I can pray for you, certainly, because your mind and your body and your spirit, um, not, not in a dualistic sense, but regardless, yeah. that's what he said. He said those things are all connected and they can't, one can't be ignored. And then you can't ignore one and then wonder why the other two are suffering, right? Mm. So he said, like, I can absolutely pray for your healing, but that's not entirely my place. Um, in terms of telling you what to do or how to deal with it, because that that's not where I'm, that's not where I'm trained. And so it, it like, I feel like there, when it comes to having wise people in your life, you need to have people who are wise enough to be able to admit that they cannot help you in that area and refer you to a therapist if you need one, you know? Uh, and fortunately, my pastor was that person. I have a mentor as well from uh, my my previous university who has also told me that like she, she was wise enough to be able to impart very good practical wisdom mm -hmm. on me it, when, when it came to struggling with my emotions and my relationships. Uh, 
but she was also wise enough to be able to tell me there are certain specifics when it comes to what you are experiencing that I cannot address or help you with to the same extent that an expert can. Right. Um, and, and I feel like that that's not just limited to people like me who have severe sure. mental health diagnoses. There are people out there as well who um, experience like just very severe stress, like, you know, sure. and uh, while, while you may be able to find a mentor or a life coach, right, who might be able to give you stress management tips and everything like that, or even help you come up with a stress management regimen. As soon as it starts to inhibit your functioning, mm -hmm. most of them will refer you to a therapist. And that's what I think it is the real kicker for mm. going to therapy is when those things start to inhibit your functioning, mm. right? Yeah. Um, once you start to notice that your quality of life is changing significantly because of whatever it is that you're experiencing, that's when you need to see somebody who's a little bit more trained in the, yeah. uh, in that area, because once you enter the realm of functioning, that's when life coaches and mentors and everything like that, they, they, they're a little bit stuck because at that point yeah. that's really going into the deep crevices of your brain and how it functions. Mm -hmm. And it's very likely that most of them have not studied in that area, right? Whereas therapists most likely have, and they can kind of have a little bit more insight into the depth of that. So I feel like I'm kind of in between when it comes to what both of you said regarding therapy. I definitely think that, um, it, it will absolutely be beneficial to to everybody because, you know, therapy has that depth in it. Yeah. But I don't necessarily think that it is absolutely necessary for everybody, at least not until they reach that point where um, they're noticing that their quality of life is beginning yeah. to change because of that kind of thing. Right. It, it's almost like it, I, I find it similar to when uh you know, you, you, your eating habits, like you're, like you're eating mm. fine and you're healthy and whatnot, but all of a sudden your body starts reacting to food a little bit differently mm -hmm. as you get older and you're like, what is going on? Yeah. And at that point, um, you, you don't go to somebody and have them tell you like, oh, well, you're still healthy. Don't worry about it. Right? <laughs> you, you would ideally want to go to a doctor or a nutritionist and say, hey, my body never used to react to this food this way. Can you help me figure out what's going on so we can address it so I can be healthy again? Yeah. So I, I feel like I feel like it's it's very akin to that, that um, you really have to be self-aware yeah. Um, and hopefully have people in your life as well who are wise enough to be able to pinpoint and say, okay, I'm noticing now that this is not just a matter of you feeling stressed or you maybe feeling a little bit nervous about a certain event, yeah. or this is not simply a matter of you uh, maybe feeling down for a couple of days. This is a matter of you're not going to work, yeah. <laughs> sleeping too much, right? Uh, your relationships are suffering. Your family starting to notice things that are going on with you, your partner, your like yeah. whoever um so i think that there there's kind of like i'm kind of in between when it comes to that like therapy may not necessarily be for everybody but everybody should be self-aware enough to know when they might need um a therapist's insight into what's going on yeah. in their lives i'm gonna i'm gonna agree with you i'm gonna revise my statement a little bit um not totally don't get too excited, Joe. Yeah. <laughs> gotta find another episode where we're disagreeing passionately. I know, right? <laughs> I will revise and say, um, you're right, Joseph and Zahori. Not everyone needs therapy, comma, all the time. Mm 
Sure. So there yeah. are times in which I go to therapy and times in which I don't. And there are times in which I need therapy and mm-hmm. times in which I don't. Yeah. But I will, and I'll, but I'll say with this caveat, I think everyone will at some point in their life or points need therapy. So yes. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. Mentors yep. and friends can fill a space and you, you can live a healthy life. I, you know, I don't think you need to be in therapy every week for the next 50 years, but I promise, promise you within those 50 years, there will be times and seasons in your life in which you will need therapy, regardless of your diagnosis or not, or, or, or you don't have a diagnosis. I mm-hmm. think that everybody will at some mm-hmm. point need to go to therapy. So I'm not saying that everyone needs to go to therapy all the time, but I do think because of the broken world, world we live in, that there will be a point in everyone's life, regardless of their diagnosis, yeah that you will need mm-hmm. to go to therapy and that yeah. it will be beneficial to you. Because as Zahori pointed out, uh, you go to therapy when habits, yes. uh, action, behavior, mental uh, m- mental yeah. ways of thinking affect your life in significant negative ways. Yeah. I think that will take place for everyone at some point in their life. I think, no, I think that this is, I, I this, this makes a lot of sense to me because you both use the, um, what you call it, the, uh, uh, the, the metaphor or the analogy of the, the doctor and, and saying like, look, you know, mm-hmm. everybody, you know, we have physical needs and physical ways we can be broken. And of course we have, we are also mm-hmm. our mind and we have a lot of ways, ways that we need uh, to, to get counseling in those ways. Yeah. And, you know, mm-hmm. and, and so, you know, it doesn't mean you have to, you know, every week be going to the doctor for a checkup, like just yes. with your body. It's like, but you yeah. also are, you have a mind. And so you're going to find ways at some points that, you know, you're going to need help, or you might just want to check up to say, oh, is this okay? Am I doing okay? Just like there you might symptoms. go to a doctor. Yeah. Are there symptoms? It's like, but you also, just like with, when you're, if you're, again, you need people in your life. Like, you know, when I, I, I have people in my life who say, hey, Joseph, you don't seem like you're eating right. You know, maybe you should, you know, <laughs> maybe you should, uh, like, you know, I, you know, I, it's, you know, I, again, I have a couple of Asian friends like pat me on, pat me on the stomach once. It was like, Hey, Joseph, maybe you want to work on that. <laughs> you know? And it's like, so you do need people in your life who that is part of the purpose is people in your life who are able to know you well enough and support you well enough that they can help tell you. And again, they're wise people who can tell you this is a place in your life where it's impeding your function and that and and this would be a good mm-hmm. time to go and look for that. So I think that criteria of it is it impeding your function is a time you absolutely should. Other times, there's yeah. nothing that can be unbeneficial about you know you know getting about uh, getting a checkup in that yeah. regard. I would encourage a lot of people mm-hmm. listening, even if you don't think you need it in this moment or this season, get a checkup. You might yeah. find there are things, frustrations, angers, trauma yeah. that. You didn't know were affecting your life. Yes. Look at the channel. No, now, I, 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 I do want to give, because again, as both of you have, have gone through therapy in ways that I have not, I do want you to um, give maybe some advice of things to look for in a good therapist. Mm. Um, because you have talked about ways in which Nathan, you know, privately, like, like things that have been uh, negative experiences with, with therapists and say like, okay, that's not a way that I want therapists to behave 
for me. And if I, that happens, I should find a different therapist. So there like are good and bad doctors. Good, exactly. good and bad Precisely. Yes. So mm-hmm. what are, so for people who are, you know, cause I think a lot of our audience, a lot of our audience does go to therapy, but the ones who don't, um, you know, are, are trying to figure out to explore. I don't know what a good therapist versus a bad therapist looks like. It all seems the same to me. So if, if both of you could give some criteria of things to look for uh, that people could look for if they're looking for a good therapist, what that would look like and what signs green, yellow, and red flags to look for. After you, Zahori. Okay. Uh, I feel like th- this is one thing that I absolutely loved about my, my, my current therapist was that she walked me through what was going on. So like, mm. like in my case, I had, I, I got diagnosed. Um, but, but I hope that this can still be relevant to people who may go to therapy and may not have a diagnosis. Sure. Um, but when I told her about my diagnoses, she actively sat down with me and explained to me what it was that I was experiencing, mm. like in terms of, so basically she sat me down and she said, okay, do you understand what borderline actually is? Do you understand what OCD is? Practice. And the reason why she did that is because she told me no one knows you better than you really know yourself. Yeah. Now, obviously be- when I got diagnosed, I was in denial. Right. And in the end, my psychiatrist did end up giving me the best diagnosis, but there have been plenty of instances where people have been misdiagnosed, right? Mm. Or if if they're not being diagnosed with an illness, sometimes what can happen is a doctor or a therapist or a psychiatrist can can tell them you're struggling with this, and then the person sitting there and they're like, I don't think that's true, actually, yes, right? Yes. Yeah. But sometimes they're too afraid to really say anything. Mm. They think, well, they're the doctor, you know. Um, so it was really nice when my therapist sat me down and really actively put in the effort to explain to me what it was that I got diagnosed with or what mm. she was observing. And she she would take it upon herself and still does take it upon myself to say, does this sound right? Yes. And mm. whenever I say no, right, then she's like, okay, then can you describe to me, like, is there a better way to describe Ooh. this? Is there a different way to describe this? Sure. And then I would, I would describe it. And then she would be like, okay, now I understand. Right. So oh, I would good. really say that a really good, a, a good criteria for a solid therapist is one who acknowledges that you have a better judgment of your own health than than they will because they're they're a third party they're not right. in your body they're not in your mind right so somebody who's willing to ask you and to clarify what it is that you're actually going through because in the event that i got misdiagnosed and i have been misdiagnosed before i was no. diagnosed with generalized anxiety disorder and then my psychiatrist again, very solid, asked me those questions of like, does this sound right? And I was like, no. And then he was like, okay, so it's not JD. Uh, but yeah, that, that is one thing that I really value in my therapist was the fact that she acknowledges and that my psychiatrist acknowledged that I know what my symptoms are and it's much better for both of us that we clarify what's actually going on in my mind. Yeah than for them to just assume and impart a, some sort of treatment on me because they want to get paid or they just want to get it over with or because yeah. they, they they know better, I, right? I, I love, um, oh, sorry, go ahead, I didn't mean to interrupt. Uh, no, go ahead, go ahead. I, I love that 
a couple reasons. One is like you're asking the 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 therapist showed their work. Like you know, all that they all teachers always say to students, show your work when you did this this thing because they what what the therapist is doing is actually empowering you to actually understand. Mm-hmm your yeah. mental health better yeah, yeah. rather than trying to retain yeah. that power for themselves yes. so that yeah. they can have that power and influence over you. That is what so many people are mm-hmm. afraid of is people having that kind of power and influence over them and not really understanding them well. And so a therapist that actually does try to put that power back in you. So you, even if when you're not with them, when you're on your own can actually understand yourself better and how you function mm-hmm. better. That's so wonderful. That's, I love how you describe that. Yeah. When I'll tack on yeah. top of that, because that, that's it, you said it perfectly. It's it's a therapist who's actually curious and interested mm. about you, who doesn't just want to sum you up when you walk in. They want to uncover mm. the layers, and they want their therapy, their insight to correspond with reality, yeah. not something that's an easy diagnosis. And okay, you're this. They are actually interested, and in, so look for someone who cares, who genuinely wants to know the mm-hmm. truth about you, yeah. who isn't just looking to sum you mm-hmm. up and put you in a box. And that is, and it can mm-hmm. be hard to find a good therapist, yeah. but it, when you find one, you'll know it and you'll, you'll feel cared about yeah. and you'll feel seen and they will be will, they will be willing, just like you were willing to do the work. They will be willing to do the work to fully understand you so they can best give you guidance yeah. and insight into yourself and into your story. Um, so yeah, absolutely. And I just want to add one thing here because we, we touched on a little bit, but because um, I, I really honestly think Zohori summed that entire answer up and I have very little to add. <laughs> Good, so, cool. On, um, the, the, spiritual, the spirituality aspect, yeah. when I've heard many, many spiritual people and even uh, 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 secular people talk about not going or not needing it or you can fix yourself in other ways, you know, do yoga or, or eat a you know, or vitamins or whatever but for christians it's very often or spiritual people it's very often uh you shouldn't need to go to therapy just pray it away yeah and i've heard that you know mm-hmm. and this is yeah. a, a real thing that's taking place within the church and the church needs to get better about yeah. recognizing and supporting mental health um but one thing i think that's really beautiful about therapy is that it's very incarnational right yeah. and by that i mean um we just mm-hmm. went through a whole season which we talked about god of everything coming into the darkness and i think mm-hmm. The, the therapist's job is to step into your darkness. Mental yeah. illness, mm-hmm. for anyone who hasn't experienced, but I, I feel like most people out there have experienced trauma in some way, shape, or, or and they've experienced the brokenness of this, of this world. A therapist's job is to step into your darkness and yeah. help you and mm-hmm. guide you and lead you and walk with you out of it. And I think that's very incarnational and that's very, it, it's the exact picture of God stepping into our world to bring us redemption, to bring us wholeness. And that's what a therapist does. Yep. They step into our world with us and walk with us through the pain, mm-hmm. through the darkness. And so I think that therapy is actually a very incarnational Christian act in and of itself. And so when people say, just pray it away, I don't think that's how God works. I think that God is all about mm-hmm. um, both uh, his church, his people, and therapists uh, even stepping into the darkness of um, our lives and helping us find light. Yeah, no, I agree. I think the the I think when you're a hammer, everything looks like a nail. Nail, 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 nail. And uh, everybody wants to turn reality into just one thing because it's much simpler that mm-hmm. way. And, you know, yeah, you brought in, you know, God and, and the religion and spirituality and um, the Bible. And one of the things that people often, and Dr. Jim Keller, who did a uh, 
by who did a sermon on 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 this topic he he liked to quote and uh from uh the book of when uh, elijah was was talking to god and he was afraid because people were actually trying to kill him and god's you know first thing was go to sleep and take and and eat something you know and mm -hmm. and the the thing is we are people with bodies and minds and souls and you know the fixing mm -hmm. the mind is not going to fix the soul which is why you need a therapist and you need priests and you need families and all you need all those things yes, all of them because we're mm -hmm. all very complex creatures um yeah. and that and one of the things i like that you guys have said um and we'll let then let you you wrap up zahori that is that um <clears throat> the regardless again of whether you think how often you should go to therapy when you should go at what point you should go to therapy going to therapy doesn't make you more broken than everybody else in the mm -hmm. world um yes. because that's again as christians but then also just as human beings with a prefrontal cortex um yeah. you know <laughs> that everybody is screwed up and broken in different ways and the only difference is who's actually getting getting putting the work in to get the help and uh, in in a in a way that actually has the humility to say i can't always do it myself um so i think that that's mm -hmm. the beautiful thing and that's why i think everyone can benefit from going to therapy even if i don't think everyone has to go to therapy all the time um so Zahori, yeah. uh what would you wrap us up please um well i think like i, I want to kind of add on to what you said about not everyone going to therapy like uh we were going we were talking about like the doctor analogy right and yeah. i think that it's it, it's such a testament to how like how different everybody is like in a broken world because the the fact of the matter is even when it comes to physical health right mm -hmm. there are some people who do need to go to doctors all the time right because <laughs> yes. they have chronic illness yes. i was born with glass bones and paper skin every morning i break my legs and every afternoon I break my arms. Right? Yes. And then there are some people <laughs> and then there are some people who like mentally need to go to therapists more frequently because they have a more chronic mental health issue. Right. Yes. And then on the other side, you have people who don't have these chronic issues, right? And they don't need to go all the time, but they still benefit, right? And so I yeah. feel like there's just that there's just that need for discernment in the mm. individual to know precisely what it is that they need yeah. right uh be, because in me and nathan's case right it, it, it's it's a little bit more chronic because it's more it's <laughs> yeah. more rooted in childhood right whereas for somebody else who has not experienced a mental health issue since childhood but maybe uh the pandemic Right. For example, right. A lot of people found it necessarily to go to therapy because of the impacts that social isolation had during the pandemic. Right. Um, even though it might not be a chronic issue, it's so it's still yeah. so important for them. Right. And on the other hand, too, uh, for people who have a more chronic issue, it, it's also important for us to not use that therapy as a crutch. Sure. Yeah. Because we do not want to become dependent on that therapist. Uh, be, because the whole point of going to therapy is to learn those skills so you can apply it to your mm. life on your own. And then when, when you go back to see your therapist again, you're essentially what you're doing is you're just checking in, right. Yeah. Um, to see if may, if anything else is going on and they perhaps need to, uh, impart 
more wisdom and more uh, techniques on you uh, before before you leave again. Because uh, I love when my therapist says it. She says, the point of you coming to therapy is that eventually I want to so you never have to see me again. <laughs> wow. Because <laughs> what she told me, she said, the whole point of you coming to therapy is so that one day you, you just don't come back. Right. Mm. That's the whole point is because I, I want you to be able to function. Like that doesn't necessarily mean that you will completely and utterly get rid of your mental health issues. Right. Mm. But it does mean that you will be able to function once again. Yeah. No, she, yeah, she, she says that to me because the whole point of therapy is to not um, again, not so that you can lean on your therapist forever, but so that you can be able to function on your own mm. again. Um, and yeah. like I said, even if you have a more chronic mental health issue or even like a physical health issue, if we're going through that analogy, right. Um, those things may not necessarily go away, but they will be a lot more manageable. Right. Yeah. And I think that's yeah. the whole point of therapy is to make those things manageable so that you can have the best quality of life that you're capable of, uh, in this life and, and whatnot. And I, and I think another thing that I love that my therapist did too, was when it came to my faith, cause she's a Christian as well. I didn't know that. So, <laughs> but <laughs> we, we, and when it came to, uh, what, uh, what Nathan said about like the incarnation and everything like that, one big thing that, uh, is important for, uh, BPD is mindfulness, right? Because mm. those heightened emotions tend to really, uh, inhibit the frontal cortex from working. So I, I quite literally can't think when I'm heightened on emotion. And that's why I also need medication. Um, but uh, because of that, uh, one big thing that we focus on is mindfulness. And she really integrated a lot of that prayer into that. And I told my pastor about mm. that. And he said, see, I love that because she's involving your prayer life into it without implying that prayer is going to fix the problem. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and the fact that my, my pastor said that too, just shows just how many people need to need to learn about like that's awesome. <laughs> that prayer is like, that prayer. Well, prayer is absolutely a beautiful and necessary thing uh, for, for someone who is spiritual, especially if you're a Christian. Um, the whole point of prayer is communication with God and that and that centers yeah. you. Right. It's not supposed to necessarily just make everything go away. So, yeah, yeah. I, I really love how my therapist was able to integrate that. And I feel like that's another aspect of good therapy is when they are able to integrate the more healthy aspects of your values into your treatment. Amen. That's awesome. Amen. Amen. And before we wrap up, before we get to our favorite segment of Blessings and Curses, first, <laughs> I want to thank you, Zohar, for being so open and talking about your story. Yeah. Anyone out there who's listening to this, um, listen, we, we live in a broken world. We all need help from time to time. Don't be scared to admit that we need help because everyone does. So get that checkup. And mm -hmm. also, Zohori shared a little bit about um, her, her, her suicide journey. I've been suicidal before, and I know a lot of people have coming out of this um, pandemic, especially suicide was on the rise. Yeah. And if you ever have those kind of thoughts, mm -hmm. there is help out there. So check out, um, it is just a suicide hotline. I just want to give it real quick. If you're feeling those things, talk to someone. It really will help. Things will get better. But the number is 800-273-8255. And there will be someone there to talk you through this. And um, yeah, and know that you're not alone and feeling broken and experiencing a broken world. And on that note... Um, on that happy note, let's move into blesses and curses where we can give you some resources <laughs> about therapy and about mental illness that might just be fun to engage with as well. 
Awesome. So we always give our guests the option to go first, but not a requirement. Um, so Hori, would you like to go first? Because you've, you've watched our segments, be, listened to our segments before, so you know how it goes. Or would you like to go at the end to, to wrap, to send us off? No, I, I, I can go first. I can definitely nice, go first. Nice, cool, um, Nice, yeah, I, you're brave. I will admit, <laughs> I had a little bit of a harder time with the curses because I have too many curses. <laughs> <laughs> That's you can good. do cure curses. That's a lot. Um, you can do cure curses. Yeah. We'll, we'll... Uh, okay. So I, I will say right now, this is this is gonna. I'm gonna get so many people upset with this one. Probably. I don't Those know. I don't know if people actually like this movie. But my my curse. I, I will start oh, with start the with bad and go with nice. the good. Uh, my curse right now is. I can't. I can't decide. You can have do two. Do two. Okay, okay. So my first curse is split. I like the movie oh, split. I just watched that. And okay. the reason why the reason why I like like cinematically that movie was was really good, right? Sure, sure. But in terms of the way that they handled mental illness, yeah. I, I did not like the way that they portrayed. Um, yeah. multiple personality disorder or dissociative mm. identity disorder. I did not like that. And, and it was really, it sucked too, because the, the, the main character, like the actor, he said that he did a lot of research on, uh, on, on multiple personality disorder. And I, I can definitely believe him, but it's very obvious that the directors didn't. Shots fired! <laughs> because, because it, because it really pushes that idea that people with severe mental illness are dangerous, right? Yeah. Mm. And and that is such a harmful stereotype because it's actually more likely that someone with mental illness is going to hurt themselves, yes. right? Yeah. So, it's more I, likely I can, I can barely, that they're I can going barely, to hurt, like... I can barely like get myself out at the door, let alone be harmed to other people. Yeah, that's a good point. So, like, yeah, and so when it comes to like like depictions of mental illness, like like that is and split, it's so concerning to me. Yeah. And, and quite frankly, for as somebody who has a mental illness that is heavily stigmatized, because a lot of people believe that people with borderline personality disorder are just inherently abusive, mm. right, or violent. Um, uh, it, it, it's terrifying because I'm sitting here watching these depictions of mental illness come out, like, like portraying us as dangerous and everything yeah. like that. And, and never mind as well that in the news, a lot of people say like, Oh, the, this mass shooter struggled with mental sure. health issues. Can you be more specific? Do you have the slightest idea how little that narrows it down? <laughs> yeah. Which know? ones? And, and everything like that. Yeah. Because it, <laughs> It, it just completely adds to yeah. that stigma. And so, again, cinematically, Split was really, really good. Yeah. But in terms of the way that it portrayed uh, dissociative identity disorder and just m severe mental illness in general, I was I I'm here like, oh, my gosh, that is absolutely terrifying that that's how people see yeah. people with severe mental yeah. illness. Right. Because the majority of us are not like that. And the few of us that are it like I said, very, very, very few of us are, yeah. and we're more likely to hurt ourselves. Yeah. And more often than not, people yeah. who do cause harm to others with, as a result of their mental illness, they either feel guilt and get help, or they don't, and they, you know, they get in yeah, trouble. No, it, does, again, it does that, affect how it does affect how people treat you, how it's portrayed in the media. Yeah, 
absolutely. yeah it does yeah for sure and and so it, it's kind of terrifying just how split did that yeah. so seemingly nonchalantly and i know that netflix was coming out with another uh another thing that like another movie that portrayed uh dissociative identity disorder and it is getting boycotted people on everywhere uh -huh. just kind of like no do not put this on netflix <laughs> so uh that, that's my first curse and my second curse uh, i'm gonna get roasted alive for this one is 13 reasons why i oh, cannot we had stand 13 reasons now. why yeah uh, i i can't stand the reason why I don't like it is because like, while while it was very realistic in the portrayal of how painful it can be for mm. somebody who is suicidal and who has been bullied yeah. or has been subject to more ridicule and trauma can be led to want to take their own life, right? I don't like how it implied that those things were solely at fault for what yeah. the main character did to herself because mm -hmm. here's here's the thing this is going to sound absolutely awful but i'm saying this as somebody who did make a suicide attempt right it wasn't the people who caused me pain who pushed me or moved my arm to yeah. do what i did i ended up making that decision mm -hmm. and i'm responsible for for my life and to taking those necessary steps wow. to get help now that doesn't necessarily now that obviously does not mean that you can mistreat people yes. and then tell them well don't hurt yourself because uh i'm not the one pulling the trigger right it's like okay no right no. <laughs> um but at the same time there there needs to still be a level of accountability in people who are mentally ill and who are really struggling to not just pin their problems on external factors right mm -hmm like those external factors definitely can contribute to inhibiting your functioning and everything else. Right. But I don't really like the overall message of 13 reasons why being, um, you are the reason why I'm doing this. You are yeah. also the reason why I'm doing this. Like that's why it's called 13 reasons you, why. You, right? you, and you, I didn't, I did I just don't care for that. You have you as an individual, even if you're struggling with mental health, have the power to decide not to harm yourself. And that is, is what I hear you yeah. saying. And that's, it's it's really a disempowering message to tell people that if they bad things happen to yeah. you, you're not capable of actually um rising above it and getting yeah. out. That makes sense. Now I, I bet that makes sense. Yeah. I haven't seen it, so I can't, but but I I agree with that message of what you're saying. So like that's that that, that sounds really yeah. good. Yeah. Um so how about your blessings? Yeah. And so so yeah, that that's that's my gripe with it. But with in terms of my blessings, oh my goodness, I I have two again. <laughs> uh and my my first bless is uh, actually it's this video game called Lost in Vivo. I don't know this one. Um, so oh. uh, basically, in this game, uh, you're, you're you're somebody who who is struggling with with mental with severe mental health issues to the point that you even have like a little like you have a service dog and she's so cute, but oh. the service dog falls oh. down falls down a sewer, and you have to go find her. But while you're in the sewers, you are just bombarded by these. Oh, these abominations and everything like that. But at the end of the game, you 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 come out triumphant. And I I love that so much because it's it's a testament to how scary mental illness can be, yeah. right? 
but to the um, and to the amount of courage it takes to tackle your mental illness, right? Yeah. And how it's it, it's totally worth it in the end when you do because like spoiler alert, your dog is fine by the end of the game and, and it's really happy. Like the dog's so happy to see you and everything. Because you think the dog died throughout oh. the game, you're like, oh, this dog is gone. But then by the end of the game, you're you're triumphant over these over these demons and these horrible monsters and then your dog is okay and it's i feel like that's such a huge testament to oh. how it's totally worth it to address um your demons and everything like that uh, like and and that's what the developer said that the game was trying to represent anyway so i'm really glad that i interpreted oh, it right wonderful. <laughs> and what what's the name yeah, of the game so, again? yeah uh, lost in vivo nice okay that's lost kind of on the list. yeah so, yeah, so it, it's really good. It's a psychological horror, but it, it's it's love so it. good. Like I love it. And that then sounds right up Nathan's blessing... alley. Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> it's so good. And then my other blessing is a beautiful mind. I oh. love oh. that movie. Oh my goodness! Because even the title, um, right? It is a beautiful. Yeah. Movie. Right. I love that. Yeah, it is. And like, because the reason why I love that movie so much is because it shows just how much of a struggle it is for the main character to deal with his schizophrenia because schizophrenia is such, oh my goodness, like I cannot even imagine what it is like living with schizophrenia. But that movie gives you an idea of what it is like. Like it's, it can be a blessing in the sense that you know he he has like he has this one uh hallucination called charles and he sees charles as somebody who's trustworthy and capable but it, it's also really sad because you know he at one point in the movie he thinks that charles will look after his baby and his baby almost drowns in the, in the bathtub right and you're like oh my gosh that is terrifying right but you know that it's it's not his fault right and i i just love how that movie manages to balance that need for the main character to take responsibility for his mental for his mental illness without stigmatizing that mental illness and making him seem like he's dangerous at the same time right because as the movie yeah. goes on he learns how to recognize his delusions and his hallucinations and his relationship with his wife gets better and everything like that and so I love A Beautiful Mind because it is like what I think is a beautiful depiction of what it's like to struggle with severe mental illness and to and to go through the hardships that come with that, the relationship hardships, the personal hardships, um, and but eventually be able to pull through those things and learn how to navigate and recover from yeah. some of the hardest aspects of severe mental illness and so i yeah the beautiful mind will forever it, it, be one of my favorites it, it also has the way it, it depicts everything. it also has oh uh, it also has exchange in there that my family and i quote all the time about because about the needs to have humility about needing to get help because russell crowe's character yeah. in there at one point says that you know basically he's trying to do it all himself he doesn't want to get help yeah and then christopher Plummer's you know character says yeah. you can't think your way out of this and russell crowe's like why not he says because yeah. your mind is the problem and, well, and that's another yeah. thing about the movie too it shows his mind as both beautiful and in need of help yeah. and that's and they yeah yes mm-hmm. that's how i le- i've learned to love my mind it is in need yeah. of a lot of help and it's also a beautiful place as well it's not yeah just this monolithic evil there's good and bad to the way my mind works yeah those are awesome yeah. mm-hmm. um i will do my curses and blesses now if that's all right with everybody i please, have a please. few so i'll go through them quickly um well i won't well I, I want to do a little bit in a few different 
genres. So, um, or, go or for it. You've rest. wanted to do this episode for a long time, so indulge yourself <laughs> in the blessings <laughs> and curses. Hori, and I'm going to do a video game. It's one that I just played. It's called Life is Strange Two, True Colors. And I'll see your true colors shining through. I love this mm. entire series uh, so much from the very beginning but the new the newest one every it's like takes place in very normal places normal little towns and it's always around a character who has kind of an and i wouldn't say superpower but an, a, an ability let's say you know they're not yeah. blowing things up but it's an ability and you know there's different ones just time travel or you can move things with their mind and this particular one is it takes place around the character of um of alex and she is able to how do i say this not read people's minds in the classic sense, but understand how people feel and how they're thinking. And she uses this knowledge to help them and help the situations, or you can, you can decide if you want to or not, or you can make it worse. But it's a really, really beautiful testament to understanding our motivations, our stories, our minds, how we're working, yeah. and understanding how that will play into our stories and seeing how your choices um, affect uh, your story depending on how you deal with those realities and it's a really beautiful insight into different people and their minds and their hearts and their emotions and it's just done so well the acting the story is great and one of my friends plays um uh, one of the main characters i'll give zero spoilers uh, so i have to like it but it's <laughs> a really really wonderful series and especially this last one i've really enjoyed um and uh, so that's one uh i'm gonna bless as far as a movie and go a little bit um narcissistic here and i have a movie coming out in march called don't know jack <laughs> the entire movie takes place in a conversation between a counselor and this troubled guy who's threatened to kill himself and the counselor has one hour uh, to convince him not to and the stranger's story comes to life through flashback um, but it's very much rooted in my experience in therapy and mental health and uh, it you know it goes the conversation um, covers topics of mental health and faith and uh, love and despair and hope and doubt, all the things that we all experience. I'm very proud of this movie and it comes out in March. Uh, so I'm going to bless my own movie. Is that allowed? I don't know, but I'm making the Classy rules, as always, Nathan. <laughs> but no, I, I know the movie and it really is going to be worth worth your time to watch. But yeah. I and it, yeah, definitely came out of my own experience with mental health and counseling, and I and yeah. I hope you will enjoy it and it'll provide people hope. It's called Don't Know Jack. I'm also gonna bless uh, a TED Talk uh, by Brené Brown, who has done some great work. She is not a psychiatrist, but she is like an expert in shame, and she talks about therapy and. Mm -hmm has um, a, a TED talk called The Power of Vulnerability. I've never read any of her books. I really and have been and will continue to mean to because uh, I know she has a lot of great things to say. <laughs> great TED talk. If you can only do a TED talk called The Power of Vulner Vulnerability and it really deals a lot with mental health and our ability to heal and grow. Uh, so definitely check that out. And I'm also just going to quickly bless a book called Boundaries. I think this is a great starting point yeah. for anybody who wants to investigate themselves yeah. and investigate healthy mm -hmm. living relationships in their own life. Um, it's written by two psychiatrists. Um, and I think it's a really great place to start with mental health journey, especially in relationships and introspection. So check out the book's uh, boundaries. And now for the fun, uh, the curses. <laughs> I'm going to curse a book, one. And I think I'm pretty safe in doing this because everybody has cursed this book. Uh, uh, <laughs> so it's a book called Girl, Wash Your Face. And oh. this this book, it was a runaway bestseller. It was, you know, it sold bazillions of copies. Everyone loved it. And then all of a sudden, like on a dime, it started getting lots of hate. 
and I, I think it it deserves it a little bit. I, I don't know anything about the author. I'm sure she's a lovely woman. Um, but the message <laughs> from the little I've read of the book, yeah, <laughs> is basically um, how do I say? It? I don't want to. <laughs> how do I say this? It's basically um, you can with enough moxie and uh and good vibes you can make it through any problem in your life and so oh, you gosh. know down it's basically oh, the embodiment of toxic positivity and you know it comes from a, yeah. a very wealthy successful uh, uh yeah. i think author who is just being like well you know anytime i've had anything go wrong in my life i took a vacation to bali you know that would be great for us if i could <laughs> yeah i probably would take a vacation to bali if i could instead of go to therapy but i think <laughs> more long-lasting and um i don't think with we can just moxie our way through our problems so i'm gonna curse yeah. that one yeah um i'm also gonna curse i'm so sorry um people even my mom my mom loves this movie um but it's it's <laughs> it's called war room listen it's not oh, <laughs> we're gonna get stoned <laughs> i <I'm, laughs> <laughs> Listen, it's I like I know some people are part of it. There there are good things about it. I'm not saying this is a, the worst movie ever, but it does underline kind of this reality that any of your problems can be fixed if you just believe and pray hard enough. And I think that God is a practical God and he asks us to make practical choices in our life if we want to see practical health and redemption. He wants to partner with it with him in that. Of course, prayer is powerful, of course, but I think it's it empowers us to act in the world. And I think this movie kind of says, if you just believe hard enough, everything will be fixed. And I don't think it worked for Jesus and I don't think it'll work for me and I don't think it'll work for you. I think that, uh, yeah. So Joseph, you have thoughts you know, on this. So, yeah. No, I mean, so, I mean, I often end up sticking up for War Room, even though it's not like, you know, my, it's even though it's not like my favorite movie, I don't think it's terribly well-written. I do think it does, it it's its strength is also its weakness, which is it does um, mm -hmm. represent the 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 experience that I know of a lot of Christians, particularly Christian women, who, you know, they're trying to change things in their life and they're trying to do it on their own, and then they mm -hmm. surrender and stop trying to change other people. They stop trying to do other things. And they start praying, and they start to see the problem like themselves, but then also the problems in their life start to get better after praying. And I, I do, you know, I do like the fact that it represents that experience, but it does have the problem that because of the simplistic way that it's written, because it's, it's a Kendrick's brothers movie. Um, it does by imply <laughs> sort of by omission that other, there aren't other factors that need to be at play. Like, you know, you don't also mm -hmm. have to go to counseling. Like that's not also like something to do. That's also necessary. You know, you, they, it does sort of mm -hmm. narrow the world to just this thing. And it's like, no, it's good that you're making this a part of what you're doing, but you are narrowing it to just that thing. So I do think it's problematic in that. And I agree with you. It's problematic in that aspect mm -hmm. of it. Um, um, yeah. I think, do I have another curse? Let me check my phone. Um, I'll, you know, I'll, I'll <laughs> I'll curse the secret, which is just the secular way. The secular girl, wash your face. Um, I'm sorry, yes. you cannot yeah. wish yourself to health. You cannot wish yourself to health. There is no secret way. You, you gotta yeah. do mental. You gotta go and do the work, whether that's in a counselor's office or at a gym or or in your own room, whatever it is. Uh, there is no magic bullet. And the secret and girl, wash your face and war room seem to imply that there are magic. There is magic that we can find and use. And I think that all of these, these uh, books and movies 
imply that we don't have to work and there's a secret and there's not it's hard work it's, I, yeah, I like it's, i like you know, that to, to go and do it so, so that's really cool so i like how you know you uh zahori talked a lot about you know representing mental health in a good way that's heroic and po and and positive and empathetic and you know your curses were sure about how this the showing the stigma of it these bad um these bad stereotypes and uh you and nathan yeah. share talking about you know it's like showing the true heart and blessings were about showing the hard truth about what it, the good and the bad of, of mental uh, health, but also like how a lot of your, your curses are about how, you know, everyone's trying to do a, a magic bullet for it. I really like that. So my blessings, a lot of them are going to be showing good depictions about how people do mental health well and also use it badly. So I'm going to bless, first of all, uh, the TV show Monk. We blessed this on our, our show uh, before. Yeah, it's, you know, again, we both, Nathan and I grew up loving this, and it showed, it's a beautiful portrayal. If you have anybody in your life who does struggle with mental health particularly, but also anybody who just likes good murder mysteries, serial murder yep. like Two Monk shows, it, yeah, exactly. <laughs> it's a, a show Same. about somebody who who struggles chronically with, you know, with OCD and uh, mental health problems and shows how he can be a heroic member of the community um but what he has to do in order to do that is he has to go to therapy regularly he has a regular therapist who's a part of the cast and have a group around him of people who are able to support him in yeah. his ways that he struggles um but by and everybody knows that by supporting him in his struggles they're able to help a genius make the world a better place and so that yes. i think that picture that it helped me to see the world in that way and imagine the world and understand the world in that way um so that's this really show good actually that way. Gets, the show gets a lot of hate interestingly enough and i just got to tell you as an ocd kid really? it was a saw it was a salve for me to see a hero yeah. who had what i had and who was using the the uniqueness of his mind um to help the world while still acknowledging the difficult parts and doing yeah. the work to heal it. So I, I love Monk too. Yeah. So we have, we have the, 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 um, uh, the stamp, Nathan Clarkson stamp of approval. Um, so I'll say, so very briefly, I'll go two other blesses that I think show, um, uh, portray some of the negative sides of a sort of, um of, of of sort of a therapy culture one is manhattan by woody allen and yes woody allen everything people say about woody allen i agree with but <laughs> this movie does a great job of showing new york culture and how broken it is and how mm. a lot of new york culture people use therapy and therapy jargon as a way of actually avoiding their problems because they say oh yes i'm an xyz and i did this because of my mother and you know and that's um, explains what i do and it can use it as a way to it kind of that thing of like i know what my problems are so you can't judge me for them and a way of and that that sort of culture in the upper classes of new york city is very prevalent and that's something he describes in manhattan really well um and i'll say also i will bless um one flow over cuckoo's nest um Classic. because um it's it shows i think really well the reason people are afraid of therapy one of the reasons is because mm -hmm. of the the mm -hmm. villain character who basically um has 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 basically doesn't like normal human behavior and wants to mm. uh wants to stigmatize that and say that that's therapy and i they need me to fix them and so i think people are afraid of that mm -hmm. aspect of it and i think it, it articulates that well even though that's not all or even most of what therapy is or is supposed to be that is a fear and i think sometimes 
particularly non-therapists use therapy in that way to try to say like, oh, mm-hmm. I don't agree with you politically. You need to go to therapy. And I think it, it sort of it shows yeah. that toxic side of that, that culture. Um, so that's my blesses. My curses, I'm going to do, I, I, I'll do a couple of curses. Actually, I'm, I'm going to do just one curse because I think that this, uh, this is bad. As a, um, All the Bright Places, it's a Netflix film um, with Ellie mm-hmm. uh, Fanning and uh, Jordan, I think, uh, uh, someone, but uh, it, it's it's, it's a movie that's uh, it was Jordan. Someone, <laughs> exactly. You know, I love Jordan. Someone, no, but it, it's 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 a movie that was. It's again a young, based on a young adult novel, trying to be a very a romantic and 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 uh, the story about mental health, and it really ended up being something that, like Thirteen Reasons Why, it it romanticized you know, uh, you know, ending one's life ah. for, um, because of your problems. And it, every step of the way, it, everybody, you know, people, I, I know like very little about therapy. Even I know every step of the way characters did the wrong thing in terms of dealing with <laughs> mental health. And yet the movie does not portray it that way. They so do not portray the it. problem, yeah. not the redemption. Yes, exactly. Yeah. And, and it's, it's people watching it and people, young people watching it who are struggling with this are going to get the wrong idea of how to deal with themselves and how to deal with other people who are dealing with it. So I think it's, again, it's just part of that packaging mental health as something to be romanticized in the, the, the problem problems of being romanticized and also make giving people a bad idea of how to actually deal with it, those problems. So that's that's something I see with 30 reasons why and all the right places and things like that. So um, that's I'm going to curse that. Mm-hmm. Cool. All right. We did it. Yeah, we yeah. did. It. Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Zahori, for joining us today. And thank you all of you for watching this, this extended episode of The Overthinkers. We had so much fun talking about this. So, Zahori, if people want to uh, get in touch with you or support the things that you're doing, which everyone should, um, where where can they go? <laughs> Uh, so they can find me on Twitch at uh, Z-A-H-O-R-I-I underscore underscore. Uh, or you nice. can find me on YouTube at Z-A-H-O-R-I-I. Um, I'm also on anchor.fm. I usually have that on the um, on the actual Overthinkers Facebook page. I'll probably link that with my Twitch and everything like that next time we have self-promotion Saturday and everything. Nice. So you can, <laughs> nice. for the most part, find that stuff on the on the Facebook uh, on the Facebook page and everything like that. Awesome. And uh, if you want to get in touch with us and uh, hear more about the episodes and you want to give us some feedback into this, because this is a heavy episode with a lot of deep, deep things, please write us at theoverthinkersjournal.com. Yeah. And uh, we'd love to hear your feedback. And if you want to get in touch with me, you can go to nathanclarkson.me or search my name on any of the socials, Nathan Clarkson. Joseph? Yep, you can find me on all the socials as well, Facebook, Twitter, uh, uh, Instagram, and you can uh, find also my uh, website, josephholmstudios.com. And of course, you can find us at the um, at, uh, our Facebook group for the Overthinkers. And I also, I regularly write for Religion Unplugged, their film reviews and culture pieces, so you can check out my work there. Um, so yeah, and of course, please write, send, put us a review down below. You will be uh, automatically entered to win a uh, to uh, win a, a movie or a book of your choice under $50. So uh, we'd love to help, help uh, supporting the community. Well, thank you again, everyone, so much for joining us today. Thank you, Zahori. Thank you, Nathan. Thank you, all the listeners. And remember, if it's worth thinking about, it's worth overthinking about. Mm-hmm.